Okay, so the theme of the missions conference is missions, who we are, what we do, and the the key verse is we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I want to pick up on that word ambassadors. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is not someone who goes to another country to share their message, their own message, but the message of the country they are representing. And that's what we do. That's what evangelism is all about. Uh, We are sharing God's good news with others. But evangelism can be a scary thing. Evangelism, evangelism is not always easy. It hasn't always been easy for me. I'm not a persuasive person. I'm not a person who imposes myself on somebody. Um, I relate, actually, I think more to the words, and maybe this is true of you as well. When Paul wrote, I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. <laughs> maybe... You can relate to that idea of what it means to be an evangelist. Um, So what I would like to do is I'd like to talk about five ways to to take much, not all, but much of the fear out of evangelism. Is that possible? Well, I hope so. Uh, We're going to we're going to talk about number one to find your motivation Find your message or your story. Find your way of telling God's message. Find your method and then find your audience. So four M's and an A. I was hoping for five A's, but only got four. I, I four Five M's, but only got four. I couldn't come up with an M for audience. Let us go through this. Find your motivation. Um, guilt is not a great motivator. I think you all would agree. But joy is a really great motivator. What do you want to share with others? Is things that bring joy in your life. I'm reminded of the, the, the verse in Matthew where it says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went out and sold All he had and bought that field. Is that what the gospel does for you? That it is the most treasurable thing that you have? I'm thinking also of Luke. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Uh, What overflows out of your your heart? Is it not joy? Does Does the gospel bring joy to you? Ask yourself this question. What is it about the gospel, which after all is good news, that brings you joy? What causes your heart to sing? Is it the fact that God loves you? Is it the fact that he has forgiven you and then taken that guilt off of your shoulders? Is it the fact that you now have the hope, really the assurance of eternal life? Or how about if you are, now you are a child of God and you know that you belong. God knows you and he loves you and accepts you. Or what about it that you have a meaning and purpose in life? Maybe life before had no meaning and purpose. Um, 
perhaps is that you have value, an infinite value, because your value is based on an infinite God. Or that you have the assurance as to what will happen after death. What, what about me? What excites me is the fact that I can have an intimate personal relationship with an infinite eternal God. I will know him for an eternity and only scratch the surface of who he is. That excites me. One verse that has become very important to me in John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. For me, the key ver- word in that verse is know. It's a, very, it's a term of intimacy. In the Old Testament, it talked about the, the intimacy between a husband and a wife. That's the kind of intimacy that we can have uh, through the Holy Spirit with God. So what is it that about the gospel that causes your heart to sing? Work out of that sense of motivation. Secondly, find your message. Your story, your personal story. Develop one or several short stories of how he brought you to him and what he has done or is doing in your life right now. Eliminate the Christian jargon as much as possible. Make it short, two to three minutes. Make it simple and practice it. Practice it with your friends just to make it natural. I have a couple of personal stories. I grew up in a Christian family, actually not too far from here. I grew up in Watertown. And if anybody is saved, I am saved. Because I went forward practically every time the invitation was given. You know, sometimes it was trying to, let's get this (laughs) <laughs> Let, let's get this service over with. So they give an invitation. They need somebody. Okay, I'll do it, you know. Uh, not the greatest of motivation. <laughs> anyway, but eventually when, we are, when I was 13, my family moved out to California, and we were attending the Evangelical Free Church out there. They had a visiting pastor from England. Maybe it was the accent. I don't know, but... Uh, his name was Alan Redpath, and he presented the gospel, and finally it clicked. I thought I had to change, you know? I, I was looking for a change to take place. But when he presented the gospel, he, I realized it was a gift that I needed to receive, and that's all. God had done for me what I could not do. See, there's, there's a nice little two to three minute uh, testimony. Another one is I joined the Marine Corps in 1970 um, and was in the Marine Corps for three years. For me, this was a time of spiritual rebellion. At last, I was away from the watchful eyes of my parents, so I decided I wanted to live life the way I wanted to live it. After three years, my life, my heart was empty. And I realized I needed a relationship with God to make it filled, to make it fulfilled. So there you have it, a couple of simple stories. Think about those stories in your own life. Then um, find your way of telling God's message. Uh, I would challenge you to develop your own 
two to three minute gospel presentation. I have done this a couple of times. As many of you know, I, I've written a book on what it means uh, to have uh, your value as a person. And uh, this is basically, basically a gospel tract. I, it's so hard. I found it so hard to put in my own words uh, the gospel. I was surprised how hard that was to try to, to, you know, especially when it came to the matter of sin. How do you describe sin? I was a little dissatisfied in other tracts and how they describe sin, so I tried to do a better job. It's difficult to do that. So anyway, I would challenge you to try to put the gospel in, in your own words or become familiar with one that you like or carry a tract around with you. And I would say it doesn't even need to be the entire gospel. For example, I have one approach that I use. Basically, I ask these questions. What is the one thing that most fulfills you in your life now? What is the one thing that, if it were taken away, would leave life empty? Well, you get all sorts of answers to this. It might be success, it might be wealth, it might be adventure, maybe pleasure, something like that. But then you ask them, okay, imagine you have all the wealth in the world, but you have no one to share it with. Life would still be empty. Eventually they realize that it's loving relationships that most fulfill us. And then ask this question, takes it kind of another level. Considering that loving relationships are what most fulfill us now, what would fulfill you for an eternity? It's a loving relationship with an eternal, infinite, personal God. And then go to John 73. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Uh, then find your method. This is going to be good news for especially we who are introverts. Uh, I say point, num point one, perhaps being in our comfort zone is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Uh, let me read a... Hold it, where am I now? Okay. Okay, there we are. Perhaps being in our comfort zone is not a bad thing. Let me read this. Hang on, I'm getting... Okay. This is a, an article entitled, Maybe We Should Stop Encouraging People to Get Out of Their Comfort Zones, written by Stephen Eltrog. He says this, We Christians love to encourage people to get out of their comfort zones but lately I've been thinking that maybe we need to stop encouraging people to get out of their comfort zones. In fact, maybe we need to encourage people to operate within their comfort zones more. I'm an introvert. This doesn't mean I don't like people, but it does mean I'm refreshed by solitude and drained by extended times with people. There is nothing morally superior or inferior about being introverted. I don't know about that, I think. <laughs> my friends Eric and Dom are classic extroverts they have a big capacity for people are awesome about making everyone feel included and welcomed and are always cheerful I hate those people <laughs> um, 
There are some things in Scripture that are crystal clear. God must be worshipped. Fellowship is a necessity. Evangelism must take place. These are non-negotiable principles. Every Christian must do these things. What is negotiable, however, is how these principles are practiced. Introverts and extroverts both need to evangelize. An extrovert can ex- may excel at sharing the gospel with lots of complete strangers, while, while an introvert may excel at developing deep relationships with a few believers and sharing the gospel with them over time. Both are good, God-honoring, and necessary in the church. Both types of evangelism are commended in Scripture. We need to encourage one another to pursue God within the boundaries of our God-given personalities. I think that is good news, and I agree with it. Um, So, accept how God has made you and how he has gifted you. Perhaps he's gifted you at helping people. Perhaps you enjoy changing somebody else's oil. Maybe you like shoveling somebody else's driveway. Or maybe you're good at inviting people into your home and making them feel welcomed and making a great meal for them. Or maybe you're good at building friendships. Or maybe you're good at praying with people and praying with and for people. I consider this the gift of faith. I remember one time um, meeting with a Brazilian international student he was working in a programming job, and this, they had a programming issue that was just a brick wall. And I said, I felt like God was prodding me, you need to pray for that brick wall, that he can make a breakthrough. Oh, that is, was the hardest thing, because I felt like I'm putting God in the line. What if he doesn't answer? But anyway, I stepped out in faith, I prayed that that Gustavo would have a breakthrough. And sure enough, that afternoon, he did have a breakthrough. But some of you have that that sense of faith, that gift of faith that God will indeed work. Maybe some of you are good teachers. Maybe others are good at making the case for Christianity. Maybe some are good at telling stories. And then the last two I really enjoy, asking questions and simply listening to people and hearing their their stories. I just love doing that. We did a trip around the world, and we went went to Germany and visited a former international student. And uh, he and I used to sit down at a coffee shop in in Colorado Springs and argue for three hours. (laughs) We would just be drained at the end of that time. But my approach to him was to ask questions. And when when we met with him in that trip around the world, he said to me something that I had never heard before. He said, Dean, your questions were dangerous. I'd never thought about questions being dangerous. But that's what he said. Um, What kind of questions are good to ask? Where are you from? What are your hobbies and interests? I love that question with anybody. What are your hobbies and interests? What is your religious background? Where are you on your spiritual journey? Has your perspective concerning God changed since you were a child? 
What caused your perspective to change? What do you think is your deepest spiritual need? What do you know about Jesus? Where did you learn that? What do you... What are your thoughts about Jesus? Have you read the Bible? Which parts, all or some? What questions do you have about the Bible? These are just great questions. And it opens it up to wonderful conversation. And then finally, find your audience. I think we need to be praying whenever, you know, as we walk around town, as we drive around town, as we come across people, Okay, be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Who is God putting in your path? But at the same time, our capacity to love and to commit and and all of that is limited. Is God calling you to reach out to a particular group of people? Uh, Could it be the homeless? Could it be prisoners? Could it be Gen Xers? Uh, I, I don't know who. For Debbie, uh, when she was teaching in high school, it was high school students. I remember going to a basketball game with her and looking at these, you know, teenagers and thinking, what in the world do you see in these kids? (laughs) You know, the way they dress, the way they acted, just kind of put me off. And she said, I see little kids in big bodies. Um, she had a heart for them, and they, know, they knew that she loved her. Now her, her emphasis has changed to, to international wives. My heart has been for internationals. Often God prepares you for your audience. Maybe you have gone through a, a tragedy, like maybe losing a, a son or a daughter. Well, maybe God's prepared you to minister to to people who have lost a son or a daughter. Um, Or perhaps God is calling you to reach out to just one person or to a few people. Uh, Maybe a son or a daughter or an aunt or an uncle or a mom or dad, whatever, you know? Um, Or a neighbor or a co-worker. Um, So just be sensitive to how God is, is leading you. So, there you have it. Hopefully, five ways to take the fear out of evangelism, or at least most of it. Find your motivation. What is it about the gospel that brings joy to your heart? Find your message, your story. What, how did God bring you to him, and how is he working in your life now? Find your way of telling God's message. Practice it. Try to write it down. Uh, Find your method. My method is to ask questions. Maybe you're a good storyteller. The the Bible is filled with great stories. And then find your audience. Who is God leading you to? And then, you know, study them. Like, is he leading you to reach out to Muslims? Well, study them. How have other people attempted to reach out to Muslims, or maybe Mormons, or JWs, or Buddhists, or Hindus, or seculars, secularists. So who is your audience? And then finally, practice and pray. We practice what we find is important to us. And as we find success in that, it brings us joy. 
Um, and then pray before, pray during, and pray after. Uh, I go in, I often go into a meeting with an international just thinking, oh boy, I have no idea where this is going to go. I feel so inadequate. But you just pray before, and then usually once I sit down and I start talking with them, that fear goes away. I enjoy being with them. God, I sense, guides the conversation, and I think you will find that too, and then pray after. So I hope that this talk will make us better ambassadors, uh, better at sharing God's message with others. I hope it kind of gives you an idea as to how we can take the fear out of that.